where we're going to be, um, kind of at the end. Uh, we're going to start in verse 21 in a few minutes, um, but if you want to just, you can turn there. Um, like I said, if you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles back there. Take one, take it home with you, um, and uh, we will bring it up on the screen in a moment here. Um, but uh, we've been in this series, like I said, on the kingdom of God, and uh, the kingdom of God is kind of one of those that right now, it's invisible. We can't see it. You can't show up at a location and say, here's where it is. The kingdom of God right now is, is more about relationship. It's about, as believers in Jesus Christ, who have faith in Christ, and they're willing to obey Christ, that's where the kingdom of God manifests itself by us being willing to be obedient and letting Christ's name be lived out. And so that's where we, we see his, his kingdom. There will be a time in the future where his kingdom will be extremely visible. You'll be able to see it with your eyes and your ears. Well, you won't see it with your ears, but you get the point. It will be physical in nature when Jesus Christ, the promise when he left is, I am coming back. And so, church, we can't forget that. Our hope is that Jesus Christ will return to this earth again. And so keep that in mind. Don't lose sight of that. Everything about what we're, is going on, we can tend to lose sight of that. And so that is the truth. And so Jesus shared these parables, different parables. And we're not looking at all of them. We're just looking at some of them. And he takes these stories to help us understand another facet, another aspect of the kingdom of God, and so that we can learn them and see them. And so we're going to uh, look at another one of those in a minute. But before um, we do, I, you know, um, the last couple weeks uh, in my house, we've, uh, um, some of our movies that we've been watching, I, we, we, we go up to the library every once in a while and find, you know, they have all kinds of videos up there. And so I've been uh, looking through them, and I said, you know what, we need to watch some of the movies when I was your age. And so uh, a couple weeks ago, we got The Karate Kid, and we got Back to the Future, and uh, we started watching these. We watched Karate Kid, and, um, you know, I, I just have to be honest. It, watching it 30 years later, it wasn't as good as what I felt like it was when I watched it that day, okay? Um, there's things you're looking, you're like, wow, man. So I guess that's a, a history lesson. But, you know, The Karate Kid movie, you know, is is about this kid, you know, for those of you who have never seen it, um, his mom moves him from New Jersey to California, and he comes into this high school, um, and uh, he gets picked on by these five guys. He gets bullied. You know, they didn't call it that. Um, these five guys are picking on him. And uh, they beat him up, and he realizes he needs to do something about it. And so he goes into the town, and he goes to the local... Uh, the karate place. I don't, what, do you, what do you call it? Dojo. Say that again? Dojo. Dojo. See, there you go. You guys obviously know it more than I do. Um, and so he goes in there, and what is Because he, he, he needs to defend himself. And what does he find? The five guys that bullied him are in there. And uh, they are learning. And so one of the things that he hears um, from the sensei um, the teacher, the instructor, and, uh, and this is the part um, he keeps saying, there is no mercy, no mercy. And he keeps chanting that over and over again. We show no mercy. And so when someone says there is no mercy, 
what they do is they're willing to do whatever it takes to win. They will go outside of the rules. They will cheat. It does not matter to them when they say no mercy. And so if you remember the movie at the end, um, Daniel's son, he does the kick. I'm not going to demonstrate it. There's too many things here. Yeah, you have to come back later. But what is funny, this is funny, Sarah, you know, after, you know, we're done watching it and my boys are practicing the kick and she's like, you guys are so weird. I said, I get it. Like, I did the same thing. I came out of the theater and what are we doing in the parking lot? You know, it's just, you know, hey, it's a guy thing, I guess. But um, so that, no mercy. And so that's what I want to pick up on um, as this you know, in the movie, we see that, no mercy, because the kingdom of God is not like that. The kingdom of God is opposite. The kingdom of God is about God's mercy, that God is merciful. The evil one has no mercy. The evil one does not care about you or anything or anyone else. All the evil one cares about is taking people down with them. He knows where he's going. The only thing he can do is have a, an entourage along with him. That's it. He can't stop what's going to happen to him. And so the evil one, Satan, has absolutely no mercy. But the kingdom of God is different. And so the parable that we're going to look at here really is about God's mercy and it comes out of one of the, the disciples asking a question. Um, and so it's probably here, this is probably a small group. Um, we don't really know um, in a sense. But Peter asks a question. And so look in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. It says, Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And so Peter asks a question that is very, that all of us would probably ask the same thing. How many times should I forgive my brother. He's talking here on a horizontal level. He's talking about not necessarily his physical brother, but he's saying another human being. And when he says seven times here, I kind of gave my inflection there, he's kind of saying it like, man, I'm being generous here, Jesus. And so up to seven times? He thinks he's, 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 he's showing great mercy. And Jesus' response blows him away. And it blows us away, too. And again, the translation, um, seven, you know, uh, I don't say seven times, but 77 times. And so whether it's 77 times or seven times 70, the point is, he's, if, you're, if you're keeping track, guess what? <laughs> you're wrong. The point that Jesus is making is that we don't keep track of how many times, oh, now I reach the limit. I'm up to seven or up to 490, and now I don't have to forgive anymore. That's not the point. And so what does Jesus do? He tells a story to illustrate 
and to help us understand what this looks like. What does the kingdom of God look like? And so let me read down through here. And, he's, and he even says it in verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, and again, we've said this before, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are the same thing, just different ways to say it, okay? The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell at his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So what an amazing story, right? And again, one of the things that we said with the story is we've got to not get lost in the details. Um, but I think we, we get the point. What is the point of the story? The point is when we are not forgiving towards our brother, when we're not showing mercy, we're, not, we're, we're, we're neglecting and forgetting how much God has forgiven us. That's the point of the whole story. Our forgiveness towards one another is rooted in God's forgiveness towards us. And so in the story, you see these uh, two servants. And the first one owes a lot of money. In fact, in fact, he can't even pay it back. It says here, 10,000 talents. And so that means nothing to us. How many of you know what a talent is? Mo neither of us do. If we were in another country, if I said 10,000 pounds, how much would that be? We don't know, because we don't understand that. So I did a little bit of math this week, and if, you know, basically um, 10,000 uh, uh, talents uh, would roughly equal about a half a lifetime of wages, okay? And so if someone makes $50,000 a year and works for 40 years, basically that would be a million dollars, okay? And so the point is he owed the king a ton of cash. 
a lot of money. And the truth is, he was unable to really pay it back. You know, notice what he says to the, to the, to the king. You know, he says, hey, you know, I'll, I'll pay it back. I'll pay it. Isn't that what the person who, you know, who gets in trouble, you know, or gets in debt always, you know, they always promise, oh, no, I will pay it back even when they are physically or financially unable to do so. And that's what we see this servant doing. He's pleading uh, for mercy. He falls on his knees and basically says, be, be gracious to me. I need help. I... And so what does the king do? The king says, you know, the king has compassion on him. And the king says, you are forgiven. Because the king has the ability and the power to do that. And so whether he writes a note and says you're forgiven, who knows how it happens. But the servant goes out without that debt on his shoulders. And so what happens? He finds someone who owes him um, I want to look at what's the um, 100 denarii. How many of you know what a denarii is? Neither do I. Okay? And so if you put it, it's about, it's about approximately a third of one year's wages. So if you go back to $50,000 a year, $20,000. So a million versus $20,000. The hearers got the picture. One had a huge debt and was forgiven. One had a little debt. Okay? And so, uh, you know, that small debt. And so how does, how does the first servant treat him? He, he is harsh. He has no mercy. I want my money. Give it back to me. And even though, I mean, the irony in the story, basically the second servant says the exact same thing that he said to the king. Have mercy on me. I will pay this back. But the first servant, does he have any mercy? No. I want my money. Give it to me. No mercy. And so the people watching are troubled by this, which wouldn't you be troubled? Isn't this troubling? Absolutely. And the listeners would have gotten that. And so they see that. And so they go back to the king, and they tell the king what is happening. And so how does the merciful king respond? He is angry. He is angry that the servant who received unbelievable mercy turned around and showed no mercy to, this, to his, fellow, um, his fellow human being. And so what does the king do? The king basically says, forgiveness is off the table. I'm throwing you in the prison. You will pay for your um, for your debt. And so, what is the point? What is the point that Jesus is making? <clears throat> it's going back to Peter's question. How many times do I forgive? And so what is he saying? He's, he's basically giving us a picture to see when we are being unforgiving, 
towards our fellow human being. And whoever it is, we are like that first servant. We have neglected and forgotten how much God has forgiven us. Because the truth is, you will never give another human being more forgiveness than what you have received from the living God of the universe. Never. Now I know in this room there have been some unbelievable hurts by other people. Maybe some things that you wouldn't even share because you've buried it so deep or whatever. Very real wounds, very real things. But in comparison, in relationship to God, what you have done in in sin and in, in rebellion towards God is far greater than any way that you've ever been hurt by another person. And God is merciful. It cost him, it cost Jesus Christ his life to pay for our, your sin and to pay for my sin. So he didn't just wiggle his nose and say, sin be gone. It cost him dearly. But he loves us that much that he was willing to pay for it. And so the point of the story is, going back to Peter's, that when you understand God's forgiveness, that puts in perspective what is, how you can be forgiving towards other people. And again, I'm not saying, you know, it, it's easy. I'm not saying it's, you know, Hey, you, you know, we just cerebral, well, I'll just go forget. You know what? Hurts are real. And so that doesn't mean that it's, it's a simple thing. But what it means is that God, God, his mercy is what enables us to be merciful towards other people. When we get our focus on him and not on ourselves, not my hurts and my wounds and what has been done to me and 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 so in this you know there's a tension this morning i I don't want to neglect the pain that we feel and some of the things that have happened in our life it is real i want to acknowledge that but the key in this is understanding how much forgiveness god has given us and so he says here the very end i think looking you know he he makes verse 35 uh, he, he connects the story that it's not just a great story, but how does this connect to the kingdom of God? How does this connect to our heavenly father? The, verse 35 says, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And so for the born again believer in Jesus Christ, giving forgiveness is not an option. Because if you don't, you're being like that first servant. You're receiving something from God and you're saying, you know what, I don't want to give it to them because they've hurt me that much. But in the midst, you're forgetting how much you've been forgiven by God. And so that is the distinction of the kingdom of God. Not that we just avoid our hurts and we glance over them. He's not saying that at all. But we can have real and true forgiveness. 
I want to look at a couple other verses. Turn over to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. Verse 5 and 6. We don't have this on the screen. Let me read verse 4. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, verse 5, he saved us. Or to put another way, he forgave us. He canceled our debt. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. It's a work of the Spirit of God, that God changes our heart. He makes us a new creation. It's what he said to Nicodemus. You need to be born again. And so the second verse here, whom he poured out on us, uh, whom he poured out on us richly, through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So we emphasize in here the mercy of God, that God offers mercy. And do we receive it? How do we receive it? We receive it by faith, by, by believing God that, that this is really true. It's, 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 the, it's the deal that is too good to be true. You know, you hear that from other people. If it's too good to be true, then it's probably not. This is the one exception to that. God's deal is too good, but it is true. And so I think for us, it's coming to the honesty of how great is our debt that God has forgiven. I mean, for me, I grew up in a Christian home and never, you know, trusted Christ at a young age. And so never had a lifestyle of, you know, going off the deep end in a sense. And I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I'm just saying, you know, for, so for many years, I looked and said, you know what, God, you didn't, you know, this was my thinking. God, you really didn't have to forgive Steve Cornball of much. Uh, problem. Is that true? No. I mean, my thinking of that is because I'm looking on the outside instead of a heart that needs the forgiveness of God. Maybe you're on the other side. Maybe you're so, you, 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 you have so much sin, you're, you're like, you, you know what? God could never forgive me. That's not true either. The person who says God could never forgive me, what you're really saying is, you're greater than God. It's not true. God is greater than your sin. Any of it, all of it, the one that you don't want anybody to know. He's greater than it. He is a merciful, merciful king. So that's what, that's what Paul's saying here to Titus. He reminded us of, us of that. I think that's part of as we walk with Christ. Do we have a recognition of how much God had to forgive you? Our tendency is to, to, to compare. 
well, I'm not like that guy, you know, I'll point out there. I'm not like that person out there. It's not the issue. The issue is relation to God. Every one of us, every human being is in the same spot. We have a debt that we cannot pay. Can't. And until you come to the place where you say, I can't pay the debt. Oh, God, you did. Thank you. It's that simple. What do we have to get over? Ourselves. We have to get over ourselves. So this theme of mercy, uh, you know, Jesus, uh, back Matthew chapter 5, I want to read two more verses as we finish up. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 7. You know this one, you've heard it. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And so Jesus is talking about what is it like to live in the kingdom of God? What, what, what do sons and daughters of the king of kings and lord of lords, what do they do? They're like the merciful king. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And again, it's not like, well, I'm, I'm going to be merciful so then God will give me more mercy. No, that's not the way it works. It's God has given you an unbelievable reservoir of mercy. And so since you have this unbelievable reservoir of mercy, now every person, you have the capacity to give them mercy because God has given it to you. You're giving out of what he has given to you. And when we live that out, that's the kingdom of God. That's how this world says, how in the world do you do that? That, that makes no sense to me. I, I, I know. I get that. That's the kingdom of God. That's the king of this world. He doesn't make sense. And so I know this is hard as well, and so I think just to, to ground it right back, uh, turn over to Matthew 6. And I think we can all probably recite the Lord's Prayer. Um, and again, I just I think that's a good thing, but it was never intended to be a prayer that we just recite. It's a model for us to pray. And so here's the reminder. Look down in verse 12. One of the things that should be on our lips as we pray this this idea, what does he say? And forgive us, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And so God knows this is not easy. And so this is why on our hearts and on our lips regularly, we need to be praying, God, God, I know that you have given me forgiveness and I know forgiving this person, I don't want to. I don't feel like it today. I don't want you to fill in the blank. But yet, God, I am willing because that is who you are. So you help me. That's the practical piece in this. It needs to be part of our regular prayer. And that kind of keeps us in the right perspective, reminding us that we are receiving God's forgiveness and so we can extend God's forgiveness. And so just a reminder, too, I think, you know, hey, there's times that, that it's not easy. There's things that happen. And so... Um, we don't just preach a sermon and, oh, that sounds great, and go out and just have your light. You know, forgiveness is a hard thing. And so that's one of the reasons, you know, Celebrate Recovery is a ministry to walk with you, to, to help you not just say I forgive, but to, 
to truly put that into practice. Because it's not easy. I think all of us, we could have stories here of, I want to forgive this person, but I can't get past the feelings. I can't get past the hurt. I can't get past fill in the blank. So that's why we need the body of Christ to walk with one another in that process, to help each other in that process, to live the surrendered life. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Let me pray. God, we thank you for uh, this great truth. And God, I pray that you would help us to just continue to know how much you give mercy. And God, help us to give that mercy to our family, to our spouse, to our children, to our co-worker, to that person maybe that just is really, really hard. God, help us to have a heart that is willing to allow you to change us, to give mercy. And God, we thank you for all of these things in your name. Amen.